Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week, I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Erin Fleming. Hey guys, welcome to Red Rum Blonde. I'm finally back. It's been a while. I had the flu, super sick, actually Googled symptoms of the coronavirus. I was so sick, (laughs) but I'm finally back and determined to get this episode out. Um, Definitely tune into next week. I have a very special episode planned, something I've never done before, and you can possibly help solve a crime. So I'm really happy and excited to get that one out there. I think it's going to be Hopefully it's going to be important. Hopefully it will do some good, but I urge you to listen to next week's episode. Uh, So this week, kind of going to talk about, uh, you know, the new digital age that we live in. You know, it's pretty easy to connect with people. It's people you've lost touch with. You can get to know new people. Uh, But, you know, this pretty much enriches our lives. It can give you a job opportunity. You can find a friendship. You can even find love. I know I did on Tinder, but there are pretty dark elements out there lurking on the web. There's some seemingly innocent people on the internet, and they can become deadly. So this week, I'm going to talk about some stories that have come out on Instagram, 4chan, and other internet venues. So I saw a headline on Rolling Stone recently, and it caught my eye, and it was called, the viral murder of Bianca Devins. It was a story by E.J. Dixon. 
Now, I've been wanting to focus on some internet-related murders. This article provided a ton of info for me. Bianca sadly gained notoriety when pictures of her dead body were posted by her killer on social media. Bianca frequented several social media sites. She was on Snapchat, Tumblr, Instagram, 4chan, and something called Discord. Now, I didn't know what Discord was. To me, you know, I'm a different generation. Back in my day, Discord was a label for punk. But today's youth knows Discord as a chat service, and it mostly lets gamers talk in real time. And I guess it's pretty popular with Fortnite players. You may remember that I talked about 4chan before on an episode about incels. 4chan is more of an image-based board where people post things kind of like Reddit. Um, Both of these sites are mostly male-dominated, and it causes women to become objects of harassment. Girls on these sites are often labeled things like BPD, which stands for Borderline Personality Disorder, or e-whores, or something called roasties, which is slang for slut. 17-year-old Bianca Devins got called a lot of these terms. Bianca grew up in Utica, New York, just outside Syracuse, and she was different. She didn't quite fit in. Perhaps this is what drew me to her story. I never felt like I fit in where I grew up, and small towns can kind of produce this inclusive kind of atmosphere, and that can be really difficult for more free-spirited minds, you know, people like Bianca. And she loved Hello Kitty. She loved dyeing her hair crazy colors, gaming, anime. And she stood out because she was different. Bianca didn't have such an easy early life. Her mother, Kim, got pregnant with her when she was only 17. And the Catholic schoolgirl had only been dating her boyfriend, Mike, for a few months. So you can imagine what that was like. Despite the daunting thought of raising a child at that young age, Kim was ready for it because... She said she always wanted to be a mom. On October 22nd, 2001, Bianca Michelle Devins was born. And two years later, the couple welcomed another child named Olivia, or Liv as they called her. The couple ended up splitting in 2010 due to a very emotionally abusive relationship. Police had been called to that home several times. As Bianca got older, her father reportedly directed a lot of his abuse towards his firstborn daughter. So this split was pretty much a relief to her. But it didn't make life too much better because Bianca was suffering from mental illness. As early as third grade, she developed crippling anxiety. And then as she progressed through school, it never got any easier. The author that wrote this article, Dixon, he painted this picture in this article of her town being this land of tiny, pretty little Italian girls. And here comes this five foot ten, pink haired Bianca. You know, needless to say, she stuck out like a sore thumb. And it, this caused her to be really shy and withdrawn, but not enough so that she didn't connect with people. She was drawn to people like herself that didn't fit in. There was one bullied kid in school that said she was the only person in high school that was nice to him. She once counseled a teen with some mental health issues just like herself. Now on the internet, Bianca became different people. On 4chan, she was known as Oxy. On Discord, she went by B or Bia. 
Through these sites, she could express herself in this anonymous kind of way, which she never could before. And even though she preferred people in the virtual world, that doesn't mean she still didn't make friends in real life. She dated a boy named Derek Ward for quite some time, and he was the one that became her first serious relationship. Now, real-life relationships can become very hard when you have mental struggles. Her behavior was often erratic, like she unexpectedly cut off her relationship with Derek after months of being with him all the time. She wouldn't officially be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder until 2018. In addition, a therapist also diagnosed her with post-traumatic stress disorder. This girl had a lot going on in her head. Often, she couldn't even leave the house. And perhaps this is another reason why the internet appealed to her so much. Bianca frequented something called R9K, which stands for Robot 9000. It was a site intended for original content. It's a 4chan board, but I guess now it's mostly filled with incels, internet trolls, and people that just have a lot of hate for other humans. Now, because there's so few girls on boards like this and on Discord, these girls often get a lot of attention. It's good and bad. Now, the girls on these sites connect because many struggle with things like mental illness. There are what's called orbiters. These are guys that become obsessed with girls in these sites, and they often end up sending them gifts or money. Now, Bianca would engage with these orbiters. She met a guy who, in this article, they call Rob. He wanted to remain anonymous, probably due to the fact that he was 18 when Bianca was only 15 when they met. Rob and Bianca met on 4chan in 2017, and they quickly began a relationship which lasted on and off for about two years. Bianca would run away to his home on Long Island, and Kim had to resort to a private investigator just to find her daughter. Now, Rob struggled with bipolar disorder and substance abuse issues, and this caused him and Bianca to kind of feed off of each other. After one breakup, Rob posted sexually explicit content of him and Bianca online. Kim went to the police, and that made Rob threaten suicide. Even so, Bianca ended up repeatedly going back to him. Kim filed at least three missing persons reports with the police. Because she had suicidal thoughts, Bianca was placed in a place called Pinefield. It's a psychiatric facility for about a month. Now, Pinefield seemed to make her feel better, but this wasn't enough. She kept running away, causing her to eventually be placed on house arrest with an ankle monitor. I guess there's a video where you can see the ankle monitor on her. So she was then moved to St. Anne Institute in Albany, and she found a counselor who focused on cognitive behavior therapy, and that was to try to help her with her self-destructive behavior. When she returned home, she felt remarkably better, and this is by her own account. She reconnected with friends, even Derek Ward. But in the spring of 2018, she would make a connection that would change her life, but for the worse. This was Brandon Clark. Now, a little bit of background on Brandon. At age 12, he had witnessed his father hold his mother hostage at knife point for 10 hours because he thought that she was cheating on him. And I think this kind of gives you a little bit into the mindset of what he would eventually have. His father went to prison. 
And then his mother was arrested later on in his life, which led him to be placed in foster care. Now, Brandon was, you know, your typical teenager. He liked Pokemon. He liked something called Lolicon, which I found out was a type of Japanese manga that features really young girls. So after working in a bookstore, I learned that there's some very sexually graphic manga stuff out there. Some of it features really young girls, and it's pretty gross. Bianca and Brandon were just friends, even though Brandon would refer to her as his girlfriend. And this always struck Kim as odd. She said of her daughter, she was 17, getting ready to go to college. She didn't want a relationship. Brandon would send many obsessive type messages, which Bianca just ignored. She seemed to just tolerate the orbiters, her friend said. When Bianca and Brandon made plans to go to a concert at a small venue in Queens on July 14, 2019, Kim was actually all right with the idea. He promised to have her back right after. At 6.03 a.m., a strange message was posted to Bianca's Discord, which read, Sorry, fuckers, you're going to have to find somebody else to orbit. Now, even more disturbing was the picture that accompanied it. It was of a girl with her throat slit, blood all over her. And when asked where the picture was taken, the writer then replied, My fucking car. I fuck Bianca dumbass. So this is pretty concerning to people who knew her. And they really wondered what happened to her. So what did happen to Bianca? So that night she did go to a concert with Brandon. They ended up meeting up with another guy who went by the name Opu. To Brandon's dismay, Opu and Bianca hit it off immediately. They had known each other from online communities, but this was their first real-life meeting. And she told friends that night on Discord that he smelled great and that he was perfect. It sounded like she was pretty smitten with him. Brandon walked away for a moment to get something, and Opu and Bianca snuck a kiss. Brandon came back and saw this, and this did not sit well with him at all. He was the one that was madly in love with Bianca. And here's Bianca kissing another guy. Bianca told friends on the boards that Brandon was really nasty to her for the rest of the night. And then after that, she went silent. It didn't take long for the police to be notified of these really crazy online postings, as well as a call from Brandon Clark's family after they found a suicide note that was left by him. Then on Brandon's Instagram, he had posted a picture of a bloody arm, and beneath it, he wrote, I'm sorry, Bianca. At 7.30 a.m., a 911 call came in from Brandon himself. He revealed that he was at a dead-end road, which was close to where Bianca had gone to high school. He said he committed a murder-suicide and needed to finish the suicide part. Minutes later, police arrived, and they found him lying on a green tarp beside a fire containing his laptop. On the ground, he spray-painted, May You Never Forget Me. And apparently, this was all done on live stream. I guess he attempted to slit his own throat, and this was very unsuccessful. There was an investigator at the scene, and he said he figured Brandon didn't know that it would hurt so much because the kid was rocking back and forth from the pain. 
and then underneath this tarp, officers discovered Bianca's lifeless body. This quickly became an online crime. Hashtag RIP Bianca quickly started to trend on Twitter. And the photo stayed on Instagram for some time, although Instagram claimed that they were trying to scrub the photos off the site. But this was not enough for Kim. She said, they're overstating what they did and how fast they had it taken down. And there was a really sick person that even posted the photo to Kim's Facebook. Can you even imagine this? This is a mother whose daughter was murdered and then she has to see the image of her murdered daughter. This is beyond cruel. And some try to attribute her daughter's death to meeting a stranger online. And Kim just thought that was ridiculous. She said, yes, Bianca and Brandon met on the internet, but it's 2019. That's how people meet. And she's right. Still, it gave girls in Bianca's shoes with these so-called orbiters and made them take pause. Since the murder, Bianca has become even more popular on the sites that she once inhabited. Kim is determined to see justice done for her daughter. And she and her family have been to every one of Brandon's hearings so far. They would like to see the maximum penalty of 25 years to life given to him. And his trial will be this year. Even though it seems like a crime of passion, authorities think that it was actually premeditated. When he was arrested, a basic kill kit was discovered containing knives and ropes. So this will be an interesting case to follow, really to see where it goes, you know, what his defense team says, and what actually ends up happening to him. To me, it's sad that this girl was so young, so young. And I wish I could say that this was the only 4chan-related murder, but man, it's not. This next one is equally chilling. On November 4th, 2014, this post appeared on 4chan. Turns out it's way harder to strangle someone to death than it looks in the movies. And then this was accompanied by photos of a woman with ligature marks on her neck. And it was undeniable that she was dead. That woman was 30-year-old Amber Coplin, the girlfriend of the man, 33-year-old David Kolak, who posted this. And according to him, she made him mad as they were having a night of drinks in their apartment. He grabbed her, strangling her with his bare hands, and then using a shoelace on her. And after he killed her, he raped her corpse and further violated her by biting her and then marking the bites with a sharpie. Just reading those details infuriated me. And even more of a sick gesture, he took photos of her corpse and he posted them. His second post read, she fought so damn hard. And shortly after, a third one said, check the news for Port Orchard, Washington in a few hours. Her son will be home from school soon. He'll call her, then call the cops. I just wanted to share the pics before they find me. I bought a BB gun that looks realistic enough. And when they come, I'll pull it and it will be suicide by cop. I understand the doubts. Just check the fucking news. I have to lose my phone now. So this didn't take long before people realized that it wasn't a joke, but something real. The images made it able for the woman to be identified. Armchair sleuths realized that the killer was her boyfriend, David Kolak. 
He stole Amber's car and fled. And in fact, it was Amber's 13-year-old son who discovered her. This poor kid called his father, Paul, who then notified police. He said that there was some loud arguing between his mother and David the night before. Police soon found David in the stolen car and they gave chase, but he lost them when he drove directly into oncoming traffic. They didn't want to follow, you know, to cause more of an accident. Unbelievably, David went back onto 4chan seeking advice. Some members advised him to run away and how to disappear. So you have to remember, this is 4chan. It's the home of Incel, so it's not surprising that this was some of the advice. He also texted a friend to watch for him on the news. Luckily for police, he crossed into Oregon and he handed himself over to a passing cop car. He had a note in his possession which read, I killed Amber Coplin. I strangled her with my hands, then a shoelace. I have no other reason other than I was drunk and she pissed me off. Running from the cops was so fun. DK. This guy is unbelievable. Police were able to match that handwritten note to words he had written on the walls of their apartment and the word dead he had written on Amber's driver's license. David Colick was not a good guy. He had many domestic abuse charges and was on a restraining order from a different woman who he had attempted to kill months before this crime occurred. He was prone to blackouts from being an alcoholic. In fact, he was so drunk that night, the last thing he remembered was having his hands around her neck. Colic drank something like 18 beers a day and half a... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Gallon of vodka. His violence couldn't be blamed on alcohol, though. A month after his arrest, while in prison, he attacked another man named Wayne Carlson. I guess they'd known each other outside of prison, but they never got along. David used cardboard to mess with the lock on his jail cell, and this enabled him to enter Wayne's cell. And from there, he slammed the man's head into the metal sink there. Luckily for Wayne, he had hit an emergency button. Now, after first being charged with second-degree murder, it was then upped to first degree in 2017. And due to the brutality and savageness of his crime, and then posting those pictures, an additional 40 years was added. This is the first time I can think of in a long time that some justice was served. The county prosecutor's office said the sentence was extraordinary, 
since the normal sentence is around 30 to 40 years, this man would now serve over 80. Probably not enough for the kids that she left behind, Adam, Bryce, Tim, Jason, and James. This is a woman who worked really hard to get her GED, and then afterwards, she worked as a caregiver before getting a job at State Farm Insurance. In her free time, she volunteered for the Cub Scouts. So it's sad that photos of her dead body are more popular than the old ones you can find of her on MySpace and her Facebook accounts. This is just one of those sickening stories. One of her sons, Jason Coplin, published a book called I Miss My Mom. This is heartbreaking. He was nine when his mother was murdered, and it caused him to ask what he could have done to help and prevent her death. So he now urges kids living in homes with domestic violence to tell someone that they trust and to get help. How sad is that? The last story I could find relating to 4chan murders occurred in August of 2015, and it was something out of like criminal minds. The best story I could find on this was on houseofthetorturedsouls.com. So there was a post that read, I've killed several women for pleasure. If you can guess a name, I will upload a picture. If you can guess a name of any of these women, I will upload their photo. No more than 10 names per post. Any more than that will be ignored. Some are Polaroids and others were taken with a disposable camera. I also have pictures of them before death when I was able to do so. If you guess all the names, I will show you where I dumped a body in 1999. The first one is free as her name is unlikely to be guessed. So this was posted on a thing called B page, which is a random board. Of course, at first people thought this is a joke. So someone guessed that this might've been Shauna Maynard, a woman that was killed in Las Vegas, Nevada. Her body had been found on April 21st, 1998. The 17-year-old had been kidnapped and shot to death. And her lifeless body was found near the intersection of Blue Diamond Road and Decatur Boulevard. And her killer was never found. Another picture followed saying, wow, off to a great start. Incredible. I fixed the timestamp, my mistake. And then another with the caption, this is from before I played with her. There are pictures of what looks like a body in a box with some clothes, and luckily they were blurred in this article. Another shows a smiling woman laying on a bed in what looks like an iron frame. Users then contacted the FBI. On September 22nd, 2015, he posted again with a picture of a man this time, covered in blood, captioned, dying, dying, dead. The poster said he would come back in a month and finish the game. He said if it wasn't the exact timestamp and date to know that this wasn't him. And from the research I did, I couldn't find out if he ever posted again or not. As far as I can tell, he did not. Since the advent of social media, there's going to be a lot more social media crimes, of course. You know, you have Facebook, Instagram, other sites, and there have been people live posting horrendous things. And there's going to be more for sure. Younger generations are way more involved in social media than previous generations, making more social media murders just an absolute certainty. And there was another creepy thing that I ended up finding. Um, it's not murder per se, but it is really strange. And I wanted to throw this into this whole episode. 
my friend Grace sent me this article a while back um, by a guy named Billy Bronson on sickchirps.com. It's called The Story Behind Blank Man's Soup Will Haunt Your Dreams Forever. And it says, whenever you Google the deep web, that there's an infamous video called Blank Room Soup. So in this video, there's a man, he's eating soup, and his eyes have been blacked out with a bar. Another man then comes into the room, and he's wearing a large cartoonish-like head. So while this man's eating the soup, he pats him on the back because the man eating starts to cry. Another costume man comes in who also looks like he's trying to comfort this crying, sobbing man. And this is all there is to the video. It's really weird. You should look it up, watch it for yourself. It was first posted in 2008, and no one has ever since pretty much managed to make sense of it. You know, is this an art film? Is it a snuff film? Is it a fetish video? So I ended up finding a YouTube video on the channel Rainbot, and this girl did her own investigating. She found a daily motion account called Ray Ray TV, which featured these two strange characters in the soup video. In the video, there's um, a caption. It says, a clip of people who look like us doing something to someone that we would never do. We promise. So through her investigating, she found this guy named Raymond S. Percy. And he's an animator, writer, director, you know, pretty much everything kind of guy. Raymond was born in Eagle Rock, California, near Glendale and Pasadena in 1975. And he's been working in film and TV since the mid-90s. His earliest work was on this animated show called The Twisted Adventures of Felix the Cat. And he then went to work on The Simpsons as a character layout artist. This was from 1996 to 2003, and he even directed 10 episodes. He then went on to work at Disney, and he worked on Frozen and Wreck-It Ralph. This guy did a lot of big things. He even voiced Flash, The Sloth, and Zootopia. Zootopia is an awesome movie. So he developed these characters in the soup video that are indeed called Ray Ray, I guess. So originally, I guess they were supposed to be a reflection on on how he saw himself, you know, quote, a mix of inhibition, a sense of alienation and a deep seated need to entertain. Ray Ray were supposed to be the struggles that we have with art, like, you know, getting paid for your artwork or just being a part of the world, but not really a part of it, if that makes any kind of sense. Then there was this thing called Mutator, which was a performance group that's, you know, part circus, part orchestra, according to this article that I read. Sometime between 1998 and 2002, Percy, a guy named Paul Pistori, and who, well, this guy's a puppeteer and an SFX artist. And this group all came together to create the Ray Ray costumes. So if you don't watch a video, I guess a good idea of what these costumes look like are, to me, they almost look like the bastard sons of Astro Boy and Hello Kitty. They're, I guess the costumes were created for live skits, and then apparently they became cult favorites. Ray Ray is actually still listed as a cast member on the Mutator's website. And there have been several sites for Ray Ray, the earliest being Ray Ray World, But according to Raymond Percy, he didn't make the Blank Room Soup video, and neither did any of the other people in the group. 
And there's no evidence that this is from the deep web. It was uploaded by YouTuber named Renaissance Men in 2005 when it was called Freaky Soup Guy, saying, we don't know what this is. According to Rainbot, she contacted Percy and found out some interesting information. Two Ray Ray suits were stolen in the early to mid-2000s, and those are the two suits which appear in the video. Percy said that after a club performance on Hollywood Sunset Strip, they disappeared. He said this club was so small that they had this used this old RV parked in an alley as a dressing room, and it didn't have a lock. After the performance, the crew found most of their stuff had been stolen from the RV. Luckily, they had some spare costumes made and could continue the performances. A few weeks later, he received an email and a video file attached. And this was the Blank Room Soup video. He posted the video on YouTube. So, you know, maybe he's most likely Renaissance men, which explains the caption. We don't know what this is. He said the characters in the video moved and behaved exactly the way they should, meaning these people in the video most likely would have seen the performance of Percy's group before. He's been sent more clips from that same email over the years, but he hasn't posted these ones online. But the story is not over. In 2017, a YouTuber named Super Horror Bro posted his theories about the video. He mentioned a guy on 4chan named Mr. Enigma, clever or not, who claimed to have this solved. Mr. Enigma claims that he was in contact with a hacker who stole the Ray Ray suits. And their motive? A statement on capitalism corrupting art. Stealing the suits freed Ray Ray, freeing art from capitalism. The hackers also claimed to have posted as Percy when he spoke to Rainbot. This gets crazier and crazier. So Enigma did claim that he was in contact with the Ray Ray YouTube channel with someone that he thought was a representative or a crew member of Percy's. The crew member didn't want to be identified. And Nigma said that the hacker hasn't emailed anyone since January, 2017. Rainbot said that she found Percy via his Tumblr page, which seemed legit to this article. We might've learned where the suits came from, but we don't know who made the video, why it was made, or what it means. Now, Percy does post videos to his Tumblr, all with characters which seem to be played by him. So, is he the creator of this video? Is the rest of the story he's told a hoax? It's pretty interesting. I think it's interesting. The video is pretty creepy to me. But then again, I was thinking back, I showed my kid this weird 70s group called Mom and Sean's that scared the shit out of me when I was little, and he was completely unfazed. So watch it for yourself. You may be creeped out by it. You may not be. I don't know. Seriously, Google Mom and Sean's too. So that was the 4chan murders. I hope you found it as interesting as I did. Um, Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see where internet crimes are going to go. Normally at this time in the podcast, I always want to thank and welcome the newest members to the Red Run Blonde Facebook group. I want to welcome Melda, Louise, Deirdre, Sarah, Joseph, and Nora. You guys absolutely rock. I want to apologize to Johanna. I hope I'm saying it right this time. She reached out to me, told me, you know, I said it wrong. I'm probably saying it wrong again. Um, 
definitely please check out the newest podcast by our newest member, Kara. It's called Murder Me a Little. It's the story of Madeline Webb. Now, Madeline was accused of making this phone call to lure a woman to a hotel where she was robbed and murdered. And this podcast delves into that case and the life of Madeline Webb, who was just crazy, true life character. And Kara has put together a very compelling podcast. You will love it. It's only a few episodes and definitely check it out. Kara has this amazing voice. It's a smoky Carrie Fisher type of voice. I can't get enough of this podcast and I cannot wait until the next episode. Please check it out. It's called Murder Me a Little. Um, I listened to it on Anchor um, and I'm sure it's going to start spreading to other podcast sites. Um, Definitely. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Catch you next week. Please tune in next week. Like I said, it's going to be a very special episode. It's going to be something I've never done before. And um, fingers crossed that it might bring about some developments in this case. Um, Definitely very important. And please listen when it's posted, just in case it might help. You'll definitely find out more next week. Um, Thanks a lot, guys. Catch you next week. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.